rock and roll Shinsu Chu. My name is Gabe Estel. I am here with my wonderful co-hosts, Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How's it going, guys? Good. All right. Well, happy Saturday. Um, you know, we've got uh, an action-packed show, as we always do for, for our listeners today. Um, we're going to be kind of maybe, I guess, compartmentalizing the show. A little bit more today. We're going to have a sort of the first por- portion is going to be called the lead off, hence the baseball reference. Uh, then we've got the heart of the order, which is kind of our main topic of the show. And then we've got the bullpen where um, we're going to recommend some albums to you and just kind of just bullshit in general, really, um, over uh, some some topics. So um, that's kind of the format that we're going to be following here um, before. So starting off with the leadoff here, um, some things in the news I want to talk about, guys. Um, first of all, I, I feel like I have to say it. This just happened today. This is we're recording this on Saturday, everybody. Um, you know, Ernie Banks, rest in peace, uh, Mister Cub. Definitely, Levi. I thought of you when I saw the news early this yeah. morning. So um, I uh, definitely. Um, I feel like we should be recording too. You know, right, I feel like right? yeah. recording two episodes. Yeah. Let's record two. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, such a great, you know, ambassador for the game. For sure. And uh, really just uh, probably, I don't know if he's Chicago's most famous um, athlete. That probably goes to Michael Jordan, but he's certainly probably one of the most, the most well-liked. He's top three, probably, I would he's think. Yeah. He's definitely, uh, him, Walter Payton, you know. Yeah, Jordan, there. Payton, and, and Banks. And, yeah. and Banks. Uh, yeah. Um, of those three, you know, um, Banks is probably probably has the best reputation, you know, as far yeah. as um, uh, as far as, you know, how approachable he was and how, um, like you said, an ambassador, you an know. ambassador. Yeah, he was yeah. enthusiastic. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, certainly got to see him actually come out for Pearl Jam. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was the only time I ever saw him two years ago. Yeah. yeah. And uh, way past his bedtime, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that was after the rain delay. That at, at Wrigley Field. At Wrigley Field. So that was, I think, yeah, summer of 2013. So that was a neat moment. It was. Um, and, and certainly unexpected. So uh, very cool there. Did you ever see him, Levi? No, I never had the chance to meet him. Um, a couple of the Cubs conventions I went to, I met Billy Williams and... Yeah. He, he had nothing but nice things to say about yeah. his his former teammate, yeah. and um, yeah, not only was he the ambassador for baseball, he was the Cubs' biggest ambassador. He was, yeah. he was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's tough. It's tough to top Ron Santo in that department, but I think he did, and like yeah. the, in the earnest, just optimism every year, mm-hmm. right? That's so, um. Yeah, he'll be he'll be greatly missed, you know. Um yeah, it'll be sad. Mr. Cub, man. I mean, there's yeah. only one, you know. Yeah. Um doesn't have the same ring to it like if it was like a, you know, Mr. Padre or something <laughs> like that, right? Or Mr. Diamondback. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We had to choose a Mr. Padre. I would say probably Tony Gwynn. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yes. yes. Um so, so yeah, definitely rest in peace to Ernie. That is, uh, that's one of the, one of the things I, I had to say. And then another Cub, this is a less flattering story. I just saw this right before we started recording. I don't know if you guys saw that Ted Lilly got caught in insurance fraud. I did. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and, and the details, the, de- the details of it involve a $200,000 RV. Yeah. So yeah, insane. yeah, yeah, right. So somehow he's he either lied about what it cost or he lied about having to he sold it and didn't pay taxes. I don't know what the hmm. full. It's like, deep. dude, you can't afford insurance on the car. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break on the RV. Give me a break. You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Regardless of your rich, I guess you probably want to save a buck anyway. Um, but yeah, so sorry about that, Ted Lilly. Yeah, the bulldog. So, <laughs> What's that? His nickname was the Bulldog. Right, right. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say he's not gonna go to jail for that. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say a rich guy who's a former athlete's probably not gonna go to jail for insurance. Uh, unless they want to make an example of him. You know, right, like, right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, Ted Lilly as well. Um, and you know, a couple other things. Uh, Jonathan, I think, had posted this 
on um, on the Facebook page earlier this week or since our last recording. Most of the major summer festivals have announced their lineups now, mm-hmm. you know, or they're, they're – um, I think Lollapalooza is basically the only the only big one that really hasn't been unveiled yet, to my knowledge. Um, you know, Bonnaroo has been unveiled. Uh, the um, Hangout's been unveiled. Uh, I think Download over in England. Um, I, I haven't checked um, Glastonbury, you know, uh, but I, I assume it's probably been unveiled too. I think so. Um, what's that? I think, think so, so, yeah. And yeah. what's the one in uh, L.A.? Coachella? Oh, Coachella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Coachella. That one, yeah, right. Shit, ACDC of all people headlining yeah, one night. At Coach. Yeah. I never thought I'd see ACDC and Drake on the same bill. All right, yeah. so <laughs> right, I guess it was bound to happen sometime. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, and then uh, the one in New York, actually, the one that I think looks the best is the Governor's Ball in New York. I, yeah. I think if I had to pick one to go to, that would be, in my opinion. I haven't seen what's the lineup for younger bands. Um, my morning jacket's playing it. Um, you know, and well, this, this, um, we'll, we'll post links to them on our, on our Facebook page. So everybody can check out the lineups. But, um, Jonathan had posted like a, this graphic of a Venn diagram and there's so much overlap between three of the major festivals, Coachella, Bonnaroo, and then the governor's ball one that I just mentioned. So, um, yeah, you know, a lot of those a lot of those festivals kind of kind of share share the same artist. Um, so that um, I don't know that makes that makes the lineups a little bit less intriguing. Well, I mean, times. geographically speaking, you're pretty right. unlikely to go to more than one. Yeah, true, true. Um, but uh, I, I like the Governor's Ball one. I think that one looks great. Um, I've always wanted to go over to Download, um, just you know, because it's kind of a heavier festival. Where's um, that? Granted, uh, it's it's in England. I don't know if it's at Donington or oh, it's okay. one of those English countryside places. Isn't there one had. in South America as well? Rock and Rio is the big one in South. Oh, America. I thought that there was actually a Download one. There might be, there might be a Download in South America no. as well. Yeah, Rock and Rio as well. So someday, boys, when we run the lot, when we win the lottery, we'll go to all of them. Yeah, all we'll right? have to be correspondents. Yes, right. We'll we'll go to them all. I, I also like that one. They haven't announced it yet, but the one that my morning jacket kind of curates in Louisville. You know right. what I'm talking about yeah. the uh, Focastle, I think. Or, right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. That one looked really good last year as well. Um, one other t- uh, topic in the leadoff, and I know this appeals to Levi, it appeals to me too. Um, Jonathan probably a little bit as well, but maybe not as much. Um, uh, the surviving members of the Grateful Dead will be playing uh, three nights at Soldier Field, July 3rd to 5th, where essentially the Grateful Dead played its last show. Um, they're going to be joined by Trey Anastasio on lead guitar, and then Bruce Hornsby on keyboards, and then um, Jeff Cementi, who's played with Rat Dog, yeah, uh, and Les Claypool as well. They seem to like that guy. They've kind yeah. of kept a lot. He's uh, he's played in a lot of different. Um, I don't know. I, I have Projects, a hard time keeping yeah. track of all the Phil and Friends, the other ones, Rat Dog, uh, yeah. Further. Which to me, all of those things I just mentioned made the announcement kind of anticlimactic to me. You know what I mean? Just because those four guys either together or separately, most of the time separately, have played so much since Jerry Garcia yeah. died. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, they've... I, I understand it's the last one. Uh, you know, I mean, Bob and Phil aren't going to stop playing. You know, they're going to go on with their projects. Phil's going to go on until he's a fucking corpse. You know? Um, but, um, you know, and they, they toured as the dead a few years ago, Levi. I don't know if you yeah. remember that when they had Warren Haynes yeah. with oh, them. Yeah. As, yeah, yeah, right. And then they had Joan Osborne with them for a little while. Yeah. So to me, you know, uh, aside from Trey playing lead guitar, um, which I think is a is a is a good choice. Um, you know, it's kind of a kind of a granola person's wet dream, I suppose. Yeah, um, I, I, but, would, um, I would say it was like every Grateful Dead fan post 1995's wet dream. Right, I would agree with that. You know That's, what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I thought it was just kind of an interesting choice. I, You know what I mean? I, I don't think the Grateful Dead had ever linked themselves with Fish or Trey before in the past. They've uh, never no, played uh, together aside before? From, aside from a few sit-ins, I know that... Um, okay. 
uh, um, I, they've played like with Phil, I think. I don't know if they've ever played with Bobby, but yeah. But I mean, Phil is such a kind of community guy, you yeah. know, like oh, he's yeah. just, yeah. he's played with so many different people, you know, over the years. Um, but to me, it's just like, they've all played so much, you know, I mean, since then, I mean, they never stopped. They've played in all these different, um, incarnation, reincarnations of, of the dead or parts of the dead, I guess. Yeah. Um, so you will know, Trey I, be, will, will, uh, will he be doing a lot of lead vocals? Do you think? I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, and I was curious if if he will try and sound like Jerry, or will it sound like Trey soloing during Grateful Dead songs? Hopefully both. Hopefully it'll yeah, be a hybrid. Hopefully, hopefully both. Yeah, I would think that Trey would um, would want to put his own spin on on some things. You know, I mean he's yeah. he's certainly talented enough and has a unique enough sound to do. But at that. the same time, you don't want like too unique of a sound. You don't like want want that all yeah. of a sudden that 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 fish guitar tone like blasting through every uh, dead song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. No, I, I hear you. Yeah, hear that, you. that's a that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, for him. Yeah, that there, there's a lot of effort and and thought that has to go into that. Well, yeah, if they wanted just straight like Garcia clone, like last episode we spoke, they could have got Neil Casal to do it. <laughs> well, that or they they had as further, which is you know one of these yeah imaginings. They had that guy from um, I feel bad. I should learn his name. The guy from Dark Star play or playing oh, with them. Yeah, yeah. So they I had a guy that. from a tribute band playing play. in yeah. further. So yeah. Yeah, and that guy sounds just like, like Jerry Garcia. Yeah. I mean, that's his job is to sound just like Jerry Garcia. Um, so I think, games... a lot of, I think a lot of people will question why they didn't maybe consider Warren Haynes. BNC had worked with Phil in the past on like dead projects and stuff like that. Yeah, Warren sounds better on like kind of like the pig pen type songs. To yeah, me, I agree. As opposed to I the agree. Terrapin, but you know. I, I I think if they team up with Warren, they aren't playing Soldier Field. I I, I think. You True. know, this is this has to be this kind of mega uh, oh, yeah. super group to, to fill um, Soldier Field again, yeah. And so, it, as a result, yeah. I, I mean, I think that you know, Gabe, you said it was kind of anticlimactic. I think the idea that it's at Soldier Field should imply that it's um, that Trey's going to be play a big part. He's not just going to be off to the side soloing. You figure he's probably brought in. He brings in at least ten thousand people. You know, you figure oh, at, at, least. at least, if not more. Yeah. 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 I mean, I do, do you think? More, I mean, yeah. I don't know what the capacity is, but do you think he brings in more than than the dead would? Uh, I don't know about that. Just on his own, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's gonna be hold? it's gonna be a hot ticket. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna be. It, it, I mean, the mail orders. I'm sorry, Levi. I interrupted you. No, no. I, is that is it like a hundred thousand? The Soldier Field hold? Uh, well, I, it's I hard to say so. with the with the field the, with the field. That's what I was wondering. Um, Depends on the setup. You know, yeah. as well, I would yeah. guess. Yeah. I mean, what did Pearl Jam play to? That's like, you know, the concert I don't know. that I can... I don't know. I, think they play, I was I there, they played but... Like, I thought they played to, like, over 60. Was it? That, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a it's gonna be a tough ticket. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, yeah. shit, they could play there for a week, you know, and sell yeah. out of every one of them, yeah. I think, you know? I mean, because, like, you know, older deadheads are, you know, have money. Like, people are going to be, like, flying in, you know, for this concert, you know. Because it's, it's the only one, right? Uh, they're, well, yeah, three nights. Three nights, they're not doing, yeah. They're no, not no. doing a tour. Yeah, yeah they're not yeah. doing a tour. So, I mean, it's cool that they had it in Chicago. Like, I, I mean, that, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't travel to see yeah. it, you know. I wouldn't go to San Francisco, but if it's in Chicago, I'm going to take a stab at getting a ticket for one of the nights. I think you it's know? cool I how mean, they went back to like old school mail order for the ticket. Yeah. Did they? Yeah, yeah, they did. On, on Facebook, there's people who have posted like their envelopes, the old school envelope art. Yeah, nice. that that was like a, a Grateful Dead trademark for decades. Nice. You sent in for tickets by mail, and you decorated your envelope with all you know, all the Grateful Dead logos and whatnot. We'll have to put yeah. some of that on the website. Yeah, yeah, we should. I because I, I have several people in my Facebook feed who 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 did that as well. So it, it is pretty. That is cool. I was I was definitely pleased with that. I didn't do it. I didn't do the mail order just because to have to cough up all that cash at once. You know, is yeah. like um, I just didn't. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna try when the pre-sale starts here in a few weeks and then try, you know, when it goes on sale to the general public. I mean, I, I, I love the dead, but at, at sort of this version of it, I'm getting, you know, this kind of very geriatric version Uh, of it. Um, 
That's a cute play on words, huh? <laughs> Geriatric. Anyway, um, uh, I, I would like to go to one show. You know, I would I would like to go to one, um, you know, without having to, you know, I don't know, take out a loan. To get a yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where later on in your life you'd be like, oh, it'd be cool to say I went to the last Grateful Dead shows or whatever. Yeah. I but, thought I went to the last fish show in Vermont, and then they got back together about five years later. <laughs> you were like, "Sucker, my like, motherfucker!" I drove all the way to practically Quebec for God's sake. <laughs> all right, you, you guys get you guys get together. I ate nothing but cheese for three know? days. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, so I'm, you know, all these Michael Jordan type retirements. I tell you, it's annoying. <laughs> It gives me faith that the Black Crows aren't going to be separated that long, though. <laughs> so, anyway, well, good stuff all around there, yep. guys, um, with the leadoff. Uh, I do want to get to the heart of this episode. And, um, well, one thing in the news kind of prompted this this topic. Um, earlier this week, Brian Anderson, who is a guy that played um, – a lot of people who aren't White Sox fans aren't going to remember this oh, guy. Oh, come on. Everybody knows who Brian Anderson Everybody is. Everybody knows who Brian Anderson is, right? <laughs> right. Um, Household name. Yeah. Cooperstown bound, Brian Anderson. <laughs> um, so Brian Anderson was an outfielder with the White Sox from, I think, like 2005 to roughly like 2007, 2008. I think 2008, actually. Um and, you know, he was a guy who was a first-round pick, very athletic, uh, a really fun center fielder to watch, but could never really hit big league pitching. So um, the White Sox probably, in my opinion, kept him on way too long of a leash. You know, um, he he stuck around as a starter much longer than he deserved. Uh, but we had just won a World Series, so I don't think they really cared. You know, everybody was just like, hell with it, throw throw the first round pick out there in center field, see how he does, you know, that's what happened. And anyway, he, um, he got cut by the white Sox in 08. Uh, played in Kansas city. I don't know if he ever, um, played, I don't know if he ever wore a Royals uniform or not. Uh, no, I don't um, think he, I don't, I don't think yeah. he made the team. Right. And then, uh, but he was in the system and then tried to come back, uh, a couple of years ago, in the Yankees organization as a pitcher. So went from an outfielder to a pitcher, kind of a reverse and keel, if you will. Um, and, uh, you know, that didn't work out. Now he's coming back as an outfielder. He's only, he's only 32. Um, so, which is, uh, I guess old to get a restart in baseball, but definitely not too old, I suppose. Hey, if he's so Bonds, Sox, he's about to hit 70. Yeah, right. Um, so he, uh, the White Sox gave him a minor league deal, um, no invite to spring training. So I don't, I guess, I guess that just means you're going right to the minors. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but anyway, the White Sox gave him a deal. So, you know, it was a little bit in White Sox news this week. And it got me thinking about some of the other comebacks that have happened in baseball and music, uh, comebacks or sort of reimaginings, you know, Brian Anderson went from, um, went from outfielder to pitcher back to outfielder. So he had to reinvent himself a little bit. So we're going to talk about that today with baseball and with rock and roll as well. Some of those comebacks as well as reimaginings. Um, you know, while we're on the topic of baseball, why don't we start there guys? Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll segue into, into tunes after that. Uh, Jonathan, what about you, man? Who, who did you have your eyes on for one of baseball's, um, Greatest or at least most interesting comebacks? For me, it was interesting comebacks because it's, um, you know, they're, they're, the great comebacks are so rare outside right. of guys coming back from war, say, like Ted yeah, Williams sure. or somebody and just like, you know, tears it up and never misses a beat. Um, and But I remember uh, the, the, the first uh, comeback uh, when I was really getting into baseball was Dave Dravecki. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, you know he he was he was a guy who who had pitched well for the Padres for a few years and then got traded to the Giants and uh, was was in their starting rotation and what basically they uh, they found a tumor in his uh, in his pitching arm um, in his um, deltoid muscle and so they removed half of his deltoid at the end of the '88 season I think it was. And uh, he was determined to come back for the '89 season, and he did. You know, he came. He worked his way back after the All Star break, Good. and uh, 
and again, I mean, they had removed half of half of his throwing arm muscle, which is crazy to think about. And his doctor discouraged it. He's like, "Don't do it," you know. And and um, and so, sure enough, uh, he's he's pitching uh, for the Giants uh, late in that season, and uh, he has one start uh, when where he does okay. Uh, and uh, and and it was in his second start, he pitched a few no hit innings. Uh, and, but then he worked into the sixth after the no header was broken up and, um, uh, he, he made one pitch that, uh, uh resulted in a complete, uh, break of his humerus, yeah. uh, uh, which, you know, it's the frightening footage. Yeah. 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 The footage, I mean, is just awful. And they said you could hear it throughout the ballpark. Yes. And which is just sickening to think about, and yeah. and uh, but you know this was a guy who who did it against doctor's orders, and and you know and lots of athletes do that. They're like, no, you know, just shoot me up, and I'll get back out there. And yeah. uh, so it's it's hard to um, talk a guy down from just being naturally competitive to want to be out there, regardless of you know what uh, what what your physical structure is isn't uh set out for as a result of you know something as serious as, as having a, a tumor removed um and so i was reading a bit more about uh Dravecki and i didn't realize this but uh he was uh, part of something called the john birch society uh, oh it's like this crazy like tea party type group yeah. it's it? yeah. totally extreme extreme to right it. wing and yeah. and like like they um it was him and a couple other dudes in in the in the uh, in the clubhouse, a couple other players, and uh, they, like they were actively campaigning for the John Birch Society, oh, and shit. and this, I mean, they had a reputation. Uh, th- this society, they were against the civil rights movement because they thought it was all about communism, and they're like super paranoid. Everything's about communism, and well, that, that makes Dave, Dave Drabecki much more likable. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it, it was really strange to read that because throughout the over the last twenty years, you know, that was the guy I always kind of sympathized with. And obviously, I don't want that to happen about happen to anybody. You know, something uh, as awful as right. that. Um, but here he was, it uh, you know campaigning for this uh, oh, yeah. uh for the society that he had to answer teammates questions about it because you know he had obviously african-american teammates who were like hey you know we heard about this and, right. and <laughs> um and and how you how you uh the society campaigned against the civil rights movement and um it's it's not as prevalent today but uh i'm sure dave had an extremely articulate well response i'm sure this is this is early 80s so this is like red dawn this is like (laughs) like war games yeah like all paranoia is high oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah we should do a show on god it, it it might be too divisive um but uh we should do a show on like like baseball's biggest wing nuts you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> we really we can get both Carl sides Everett. in there yeah <laughs> yeah you know kurt Schilling. <laughs> yeah right. i don't know it might, it might carl ever i don't know i don't know it might it might divide our fan base but we'll see <laughs> yeah. so i don't know maybe we could find like a crazy left-leaning person i don't, I don't know if there's that one of those in baseball or not but yeah you know, you know i i would like to think that we could get somebody we could find somebody right so um, so yeah, the, the whole Dave Drewecki kind of backstory thing was surprising to read about. Um, <laughs> I didn't know about the the John Birch stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but him and Eric Shaw, Eric Show, um, oh, yeah. they were part of. Oh yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. a name I haven't heard. Um, but uh, uh, so yeah, was it uh, when he was with the Giants when he was doing this John Birch? It campaign? was both. I think he kind of okay. brought it over with him from the Padres. So. I guess it, yeah, yeah. It found him in San Diego, um, but yeah, you know, he's 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 out there. He's a motivational speaker now, Dave Dravecki, and and they okay. they had to amputate the arm a couple years later. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, they 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 took the whole thing off, which is obviously pretty awful. Um, but yeah, he's written a couple books and uh, motivational speaker now, and I don't know how active he is in the John Birch Society. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it's wow. an interesting. Like you said, you know, like when somebody who who kind of gains the public sympathy you know mm-hmm. says a bunch of things that are really crazy right. you know, that kind of make him unlikable it's it's 
it's always everybody's like, uh, you know? yeah. So good, good stuff, man. Um, well, yeah, that's actually a really good segue for one of the players I was going to talk about. And yeah. um, I was going to talk about three guys real quick and all mine are cub guys. Uh, I had to go cubs on this one. And one is Andre Dawson. And I believe, isn't it Eric's show that beamed Andre Dawson? And they, like, got into really? I think they got into, like, a bench-clearing brawl, I believe. Mm. But um, When Andre was on the Cubs, right? Yeah, yeah. And so... Uh, yeah, it, it was it was him. And the yeah. left cheekbone, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, he, he... Yeah, it was crazy. And so, um, Andre Dawson had been playing for the Expos and had a, a great, you know early career as an expo was the rookie of the year for them. And, um, just, it got to be where the artificial turf at exhibition stadium was killing his knees. And he wanted to, he wanted to try and like reinvent himself after, uh, struggling for a little bit. And he tried to get a contract that off season, which would have been, um, I guess it would have been the 86 off season going into the 87 and there's there's a whole whole different story about MLB. They they basically they they use collusion to make it to where like no teams would like sign Dawson. And um, Dawson and his agent showed up at spring training with the Cubs with a blank contract and were like, "Give us something." He's Andre Dawson. You know what I mean? And the Cubs were willing they were one of the, they were like the only team that would talk to him hmm. and they signed him at five hundred thousand dollars for that year for 1987 Jeez. and they said you could make an extra 250 grand if you make the all-star game you start the all-star game and if you're the mvp which he ended up doing all three nice, in 1987. The bonus the hat trick. Yeah, right. So I, I just think that's a great comeback story. <laughs> and another one, um, kind of a lesser known story for the Cubs, was George Bell. Gabe knows George Bell from yeah, a couple yep. couple Sammy inks. Sosa trade. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And so um, George Bell, though, for the Cubs – after playing for 12 years in Toronto and having a really good, strong career in Toronto, oh, yeah. it was kind of, people were saying, you know, he was in the twilight of his career. He wasn't going to do much. And the Cubs picked him up in uh, 91, kind of off the scrap heap, and he turned out to be an all-star that year for the Cubs, which wow. I just thought was amazing. And... um so it showed that even someone who had played somewhere for 12 years could like reinvent themselves elsewhere. I thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. And then the last one um, was Andre Dawson. Or, uh, I'm sorry, Ryan Sandberg. Double comeback. The State no. Farm commercials, man. He was awesome. <laughs> Ryan Sandberg, uh, everyone knows, was a legendary uh, Cub. And in 1994... He was doing awful, and he was always known as starting out really slow, kind of being like one of those players that always had like a slow start to his season, but he decided he was just going to retire. He was like just not not performing up to his expectations, which is kind of one of the like, you know generic lines that a lot of sports athletes use but um it's the it's the the equivalent of the creative differences yeah for uh, for, for musicians yeah yeah and so so he he retired and then um for for a whole season and a half basically and uh the cubs were like hey if you want to come back come back and so he did he ended up playing another two years for the cubs in 96 and 97 which he never really returned to huge numbers but um he did he did like help his career stats he was um i forget what the record was but he had a record that held up until i think jeff kent broke it in the mid 2000s for for second baseman and hitting so So, did he were there games that he didn't play because he was retired yeah i don't believe he played at all in 1995 oh in 95 okay yeah 
Yeah, '94 obviously was the the strike shortened year. Um, right. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He didn't play at all in '95. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Levi. I'm glad you brought that up. I vaguely remember that. I mean, just vaguely, you know. Um, yeah, I, I had totally forgotten about that though until uh, until you brought it up. So yeah, he so, yeah, came there's... back and hit 37 more home runs. Yeah, that's over yeah. two years. Yeah, so uh, he, yeah, he helped his numbers. I mean, he, I, I don't know, I don't know if you have access to him. I'd like to know what his average was, like when he left and then when he came back and then retired. Yeah, uh, he batted but, um, in in '96. He batted two forty four for twenty five home run and ninety two RBI, and then in '97 he batted two sixty four for twelve home runs and sixty four RBI. Like an all-star year in '96, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah, seriously. Ninety-two RBIs. Yeah, you know, tw- twenty-five homers just that year. You yeah. said, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, and especially those are great numbers for a middle infielder. You know, I mean, yeah, um, and he made the all-star yeah. game every year from '84 to '93. So '94, he only played 57 games, then retired. So, um, yeah, he was he was uh, uh, you know retiring quite early. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah, I totally yeah, forgot right. about that. Yeah. So, yeah, Gabe, who's your choice? Well, um, sorry, guys, just had a little computer weird thing popped up on the screen. Um, anyway, uh, I've got, you know, I've got a guy. I've got two, actually. Um, one of the guys that I've, I've got is, um, you know, this wasn't the most, this wasn't the greatest comeback of all time, but I remember it happening. Um, Jim Palmer in 1991 tried to come back with the Orioles during training, right? Would have retired in, I think, uh, 86, something like that. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. 86, 87, somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah. Right around there. Cause I remember, I remember getting him on a few cards. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I need to have. Need to have the old baseball reference open here. Um, but anyway, he came back in 91 after, um, you know, quite a lengthy absence. And, um, sorry, here he, oh, 84. Wow. So seven-year gap. Wow. And he tried to come back in 91. Wow. Um, he made it through one spring training start and, um, you know, gave up five hits and two runs and two innings, which, you know, I don't know for spring training. I don't know if that's you know, I mean, you, when pitchers are only yeah. three innings anyway. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, but he said that he tore his hamstring while warming up for the game and he still went out there. Um, so that that's as far as he made it, you know, was that one spring training start. Um, and, you know, I remember the media covering the whole thing. Um, and, uh, he he said like he didn't like broadcasting that much because um he had to take a pay cut one year <laughs> um so so he um but he was working for ESPN and then he decided to come back in 91 and i guess you know i was i was young at the time and i'm i was reading up on it last night a lot of the media coverage wasn't that favorable of it yeah. you know like, you figure a lot of people would rally around something like that you mm-hmm. know he's in his forties and he's attempting to come back. Um, but a lot of people thought it was just kind of a vanity project that, you know, he felt like he had been burned by ESPN, you know, um, through his broadcasting contract. So he decided to try to come back as a big league player. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's just one of those things. I don't know how many people have attempted it with that big of a gap, you know, or at least a famous player like him, you know, a hall of fame type guy who's attempted it with that big of a gap. I mean, it wasn't successful, but uh, it was pretty crazy that I guess he would have been, he's 69 right now. So in 91, let's see here. He would have, he would have been in his forties, right? He would have been in his mid forties. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, pretty, pretty old. Sounds like a Kevin Costner movie waiting to be made. Totally. I think they have made it. (laughs) Costner Costner might be too old to play a 44 year old now, you know? So yeah, uh, I think his range is a little beyond. I think every movie he makes, he should have Cheech as his sidekick. Right. right. That should be like the requirement. Wait, Jim Palmer or Kevin Costner? (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, um, so yeah, Jim Palmer in '91 was one that stood out to me. Kind of a little. Uh, it was a botched comeback, but nonetheless, yeah, um, yeah, a valiant attempt, I guess. Um, the other one that comes back to, uh, that that uh, comes to me is, um, I think Jim Tomey kind of reinvented his career with the White Sox a little bit. Yeah, um, he. Aside from one year, he didn't really click in Philadelphia. You know, when he went, he was injured a lot. Um, He went to the National League, so he wasn't going to be able to DH. Um, So he went to Philadelphia. And then in in Chicago in 06, you know, he immediately started contributing for the White Sox. He was involved in the Aaron Rowan trade. Uh, He was the main piece in it. And um, so in 2006, the White Sox get him, and he really put together you know like an mvp caliber year in 06 with the white Sox. um kind of faltered a little bit with the white Sox after that um you know obviously his age was starting to show then bounced back to from in minnesota in 2010 and put up an mvp caliber year there and that was his last productive season um was 2010 he uh you know he went back i don't know if you guys remember he went back to the indians for a little bit went back to the Phillies, right? No, and then that. ended his career yeah. with Baltimore. So he wow, was kind of I modeling, didn't know that. Yeah, he was modeling. This is, and the, I mean, this all just happened a couple of years. Yeah, a couple seasons ago. ago. He was kind of modeling uniforms there at the end um, <laughs> and kind of going back to, to Cleveland. So, you know, a sentimental move probably, I would guess. Um, but, but yeah, so he kind of – he came back, you know, with the White Sox, and then he came back even, I think, more um, – with more triumph with with the twins in 2010 right so um so yeah two kind of comebacks there uh for probably one of baseball's uh most likable guys i would say mm-hmm. you know tommy is um tommy's sort of the epitome of a nice guy in baseball um you know just he'll be a first ballot hall of famer mm-hmm. you, know, you could never you can never attach the no one's ever been able to pin any steroids on him he i mean he's always been a big guy um but uh, 612 home runs 612 dude crazy yeah yeah, yeah Tommy's Tommy was a beast man I mean he did so well those years in Cleveland yeah uh, he was raking and like oh no god one... he was killing it yeah, yeah. um yeah that he'll he's a first ballot guy no doubt yeah. you know it'll be a yeah. few years because I think he just played last in 2011 2012 2012 yeah. 2012 okay so yeah it'll be a, it'll be a few years still but um but yeah he's undoubtedly a first ballot guy um and never got a world series so uh that that kind of sucks but um but yeah and i mean he yeah he was he was he was you know two two comeback years and then um you know no mvp ever for tommy but he got votes within nine seasons so he was uh never able to seal the deal in the mvp um mvp voting but uh and you know what else? One other thing. He's a central Illinois guy. As Peoria, man. Yeah. He's a Peoria dude. Yeah. yeah. So so even more reason to like him. Definitely. So th- those are my two right there, Tommy and Palmer. Um, going on to music now, you know, the music list was a little bit easier to generate, I think. Um, you know, some of these choices are um, more commercial you know, success, like a commercial comeback. Some of them are a critical comeback. Um, you know, some of them musically aren't always for the better, but they, you know, they brought the artist back into the spotlight. So, um, Levi, we'll go to you, and then we'll go to Jonathan, and then I'll come back around. Um, what, what about you? Who did you uh, who did you select here as your music comeback, man? I thought um, a really good one was Aerosmith. And um, just because... It, it's like a movie. It has all the aspects, and oh, yeah. it even even has a Central Illinois tie-in that we all love. And um, basically, Aerosmith was was big in the in the mid late seventies. They they oh, played yeah. um, arenas, they played stadiums, they played huge festivals, and um, right there with Kiss as far as yeah. like, the American rock band of the late seventies. Yeah, you know? and by the early eighties, though things had taken a turn for the worst. Um, the years of touring and the drugs had taken their toll on the guys and they all kind of were starting to 
have a lot of infighting with the band. And in 82, by the time uh, Rock in a Hard Place came out, Joe Perry and Brad Whitford left. And so basically it was like kind of... Uh, uh, kind of a rehash. There, I believe there was like a, a tour without Joe Perry. Really and was, Brad yeah. yeah. I forgot and the dude's so, name. I've got one of the shows. His name's Jimmy something. Yeah, and um, so yeah, I've, I've yeah, yeah. I've got it. I've got it was like not that. good, and so the band, um, the band gets back together sometime around eighty four, and and in eighty five they record "Done with Mirrors." And in, which, is, which is, I think, a really clever title yeah. for the stuff that they've... Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, a lot, it's tongue-in-cheek, for sure. Yeah, they, absolutely. Uh, during the tour, though, right before that album came out, they played... It was in July of 1984. They played in Springfield, and <laughs> this was at, their, at Springfield, Illinois, mm-hmm. in the Midwest, and this was basically their lowest point. They they had they had reunited, but they still hadn't really made a comeback, so to speak. Yeah. And Steven Tyler, um, and there's lots of different versions. In the Walk This Way Aerosmith autobiography version, he says he was playing harmonica, standing in front of like a fan on the side of the stage, and he like dropped his harmonica and went to reach down to get it, and then he fell off the stage. And so Steven Tyler falls off the stage either in like a drunken, drugged out stupor or on accident. And either way, the show had to be canceled. And so they gave everyone who was at the show a copy of the Aerosmith Greatest Hits record, the Columbia one where it's red with the white logo. Yeah. Yeah. And so everybody was pretty pissed off because they. You know, if you were at that show, you probably already owned the Aerosmith record. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and um, not the best uh, consolation prize. No. They they got banned. They are not allowed to play in the city of Springfield. What? Or, or at least at the convention center. Wow. And so um, I did not know that. I didn't it, know it, that bands got banned yeah, from the uh, cities. Or in, in, a, in an interview, they did. They stated like it was like they they've talked about it before. Like if they ever get a chance, like it, I think the question that got that got phrased to them was something about like, if you had a chance to do some gigs over or something like that, would you? And they mentioned they would like to come back to Springfield, Illinois, which I, which I thought was kind of interesting. And they should honor the ticket stub. (laughs) They should honor the ticket stub. I will bring my copy of the greatest hits and that will get me in. Yeah. Yeah. One of the greatest hits. (laughs) Yeah. And and like, I can say this, if I were Springfield, I wouldn't be that uppity. Like let Aerosmith back in. Yeah. Come on. I'll I'll work on campaign buttons. We'll get some bumper stickers going. Um, And so in 85 done with mirrors came out and it tanked. It wasn't the comeback that they had hoped it would be. And so they had a lot of pressure in trying to get another record out that would somehow get them back on the radio. And that was in 1987, and it was called Permanent Vacation. And it it got Aerosmith's name back out into the public, into into, into the news, so to speak. And so they they followed it right away with Pump in um, 1989 they did permanent vacation in 87 toured for a year and then came out in 89 with pump and pump just went huge it was janie's got a gun i think was the big the big big song off of that there were a lot of hits off of it the other side yeah Yeah, and um after pump came out it was like aerosmith is back but you know will they be able to to make it last, so to speak. And they came out in 93 with Get a Grip, which a lot of people, true diehard Aerosmith early fans, don't really care for. And um, Commercially very successful. Yeah, that's what I, you know. Seriously. They, 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 they made a lot of bank off that record. And so they were back, they were back, uh, not necessarily critically, but they were back wow. financially. And they were back on MTV, like their videos all had... Alicia Silverstone. Silverstone and his daughter live in a and a thirteen-year-old and... version of me really appreciated that. By <laughs> yeah, the way. yeah, right. <laughs> Videos were about the only thing they had going for that, that right? point for me. Oh, yeah, and so yeah, just watch it on mute, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so they they actually did you know make a, make a comeback and they're still touring today. So I just think that's a really neat narrative that 
they, they got back together and it wasn't it wasn't like a hit right away. They had to get back together and kind of work at it. Sure. And I, I think a lot of bands think they could just get back together and they're going to have greatness again. Right. Yeah. Didn't they and, work and, with that guy that's kind of like a hit maker, Desmond Child, I think? Didn't they work with him? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, he's yeah. like kind of a, you know, a a Bob Rock type, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's so like a, the, the big studio gun that can come yeah. in and, yeah. you know, knows knows how to make everything really slick. Yeah. Yeah. It worked for them, yeah. Yeah, it worked. Uh, probably one of Rock's biggest commercial comebacks ever. Definitely. Yeah. They, they had, I, they've sold a shitload of records since, since that comeback. Well, yeah, and I got to put a shout out. One of my favorite Aerosmith songs is off Get a Grip, and that's Eat the Rich. I yeah. just think it's a great song and a great guitar riff. Yeah. Yeah. And um I it, it spawned a lot of the songs that we don't like, but as we mentioned, it, it spawned the videos and it spawned all the hot girls that were at the Aerosmith shows. <laughs> if you if you went to Aerosmith shows, which I saw about 7 in the late 90s. Wow. It, everyone was it felt like you were at like a Wayne's World type movie. There's just right. like hot chicks <laughs> with like, you know, backstage passes on walking by you, like just like it was like it, you felt like you were at an event when you went to an Aerosmith show. <laughs> Good deal, man. Good deal. <laughs> um, Jonathan, what about you? You know, I um, uh, Mind Center's on uh, uh, a band that uh, has done something that's really hard to do, and there are a couple bands who've done it, um, uh, but that's uh, uh, losing a lead singer and replacing them uh, with another one. Um and in uh, 95, yeah, 95, Alice in Chains released uh, um, uh, a self-titled album, uh, which incidentally, this um, uh, this album cover was is not the same in Japan, Bands. because yeah, Japan doesn't allow uh, uh, disfigured animals um, or something to be on album covers or shown in public. I don't know. Um, this is a phenomenal album, uh, Alice in Chains said. I think it's their best album. Uh, uh, that they've uh, ever done, uh, and I, but I'm pretty partial uh, to uh, Jar of Flies we'll as that well. Debate for another show. All right, anyway. all right, all right. Um, <laughs> but Jerry Cantrell's uh, influence on this album is definitely more apparent than their other uh, records, uh, including even I, you can kind of count the Unplugged as a, as an official release uh, in a, in a way because it has received so much um, airplay, probably. Behind Nirvana's Unplugged, one of the top unplugs ever recorded, um, and and so I mean this is just phenomenal. Then so Lane Staley dies, and uh, uh, shortly thereafter, or I, I guess they God, what year did Lane Staley die? Like two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two. Okay, yeah. Um, I went to a government mule show that weekend, uh, and uh, I went uh, with you. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, in Minneapolis. Was it Minneapolis? Yeah. Um, yes, it was. It was. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and we heard him sound checking Rooster. So, um, or did I just make that up? Oh, I think that's how it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Either way, it's a great story. Yeah, yeah. So, so they just, you know, you think it's never going to happen again with Allison Chains. Jerry Cantrell in the interim releases some pretty phenomenal solo records uh, that uh, show how important Jerry Cantrell was to that band. Uh, obviously, he's the chief songwriter, uh, and even taking over vocal duties for uh, uh, some of their hits, even "Heaven Beside You," um, and uh, to re- to replace a lead singer is a phenomenally hard thing to do. But they did it uh, with William Duvall and and released uh, this record uh, back in two thousand and nine, uh, "Black Gives Way to Blue," and Jerry Cantrell doesn't miss a beat with his songwriting. Uh, over the years, it's it's just vintage Cantrell, and uh, William Duvall does a good job in what we were discussing earlier with the idea of, of Trey, you know, does he channel Jerry or not, and William Duvall, he does both, he, he's himself, but at the same time, he gives you that implication of Lane Staley, it's, it's kind of uh, subtly implied, and, uh, and to see him live, I saw him live at the Midland, uh, on this tour for Black Gives Way to Blue, and hearing the the uh, vintage uh, Chains uh, songs uh, as well as the new stuff, it was more than I could ask for to see a version of Alice in Chains like that 
you know, so long after uh, Elaine Staley had died. And, geez, and then they played halftime last week uh, at the yeah, NFC I Championship game. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, you know, I, and I saw some people harping on the idea of, oh, I like I like Dallas and James better with Lane Staley. And, yeah, on its face, you can go ahead and always, like, make that pronouncement for any band that's tried to, that's tried to replace a lead singer. Uh, right. But Allison Chains, you can't be so quick to do that because Jerry Cantrell is such a big part of that band. And, yeah, and just as important is, as Lane. If I think he's more important than Lane. Yeah. I, I think if Jerry Cantrell left that band and Lane Staley was was still in the band and they replaced Jerry Cantrell with somebody, I would be yeah. much, much less likely to this, listen to that yeah. record than to listen to this record. Yeah. All due respect That's to Lane point. Staley. That's it's, a good point. It's too bad that he, that he passed away. But Well, and I think a lot of people need to take into account that with, with stuff like that, it's just nice that you're even given the opportunity to see those bands. Yeah, definitely. And, that, and that's how I yeah. felt with Blind Melon when when they did their little tour yeah. with the yeah. with the Travis guy. Yeah, it was like I, you know, I know he's not going to be Shannon Hoon, but I'm just going to appreciate the fact that I'm getting to hear these songs live. Yeah, it's something. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and to, 15 years after a guy dies, to be able to do that, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, you know the ticket you're buying. You know, you know the uh, the band members and who's not there, and so you just have to take it for what it's worth. And and Al, the, what Alice in Chains did is is um, uh, pretty remarkable in the in the history of of replacing band members. They pulled an ACDC man. They did absolutely. You know, with more of a gap in between. You know, right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I. Um, do you have another selection? Too, no, that's it. Just, okay, I, I will sort of transition. I said ACDC. Um, ACDC was the first one that came to mind for me, but I'm not going to focus on them because ACDC, there wasn't really much time in between. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Bond died in 79, I think. You know, they had they had Brian Johnson in place by 1980, ready to release Back in Black, which was just, you know, a monster. Um as far as just, I mean, black and black still like still goes like almost gold like every year. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's just such a, a cash cow for them. Um, so I don't know if AC, ACDC certainly is um, kind of more of a transition or a reimagine or it's a transition. But, you know, they got a guy that sounded like the other guy, sort of. Um and and there just there wasn't really any time in between, you know. Well, yeah, and there was there wasn't necessarily a decline in their work. No, no. You know what I mean? It was like they were really good, right? Good with you know, um, yeah. I I feel like, it, like you said, it was more of like just kind of like a transition into a different band than a comeback. Right, right. And and there was you know no time in between. I mean, they didn't waste any time. Like they they all kind of decided Bond would want them to go on, and they got Brian and. You know, the rest is history. Mm. Um, so I'm not going to focus on ACDC, but a trend that I, I want to focus on, mine's kind of more of a of a trend. Um, you know, you saw a lot of, and Levi touched on this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on it. You saw a lot of 70s artists making 80s comebacks, not always m- with a lot of musical integrity, but commercially. You know, they were able oh, yeah. to adjust to the times. Oh, yeah. Um, a guy I think of as Alice Cooper, like, you know, he, Alice Cooper was, you know, just a major alcoholic, um, throughout the seventies and early eighties, he got sober and then he came out with, um, that album trashed or trash, I think. And he, you know, he, he, like a lot of his contemporaries kind of had to reinvent himself for the hair metal era. Your lips you know what are I mean? venomous like he, poison. Yeah. yeah, poison. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Which I have to admit, I have a soft spot for that song. Um, I watched the video a lot growing up. And, you know, Alice, to me, like, do whatever the hell you want. You're Alice Cooper. Um, so, so you know, Alice, like, you know, reinvented himself, in, you know, in the Aquanet era. He kind of had to. Um, oh, yeah. The- you know, in, or, in, or, in order to be... In order to not be a nostalgia act yet, you know, yeah, he kind of had commercially to commercially viable, yeah. Yeah, right, absolutely. Um, and and I think that since then, you know, um, you know, Alice is, you know, still playing, you know, smaller venues and things like that, but his his legend is, is untarnished, you know, because of it. Um, Eddie Money as well, I would say, is yeah. another one. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are, you know, with, uh, with um, Take Me Home Tonight, you know, the money man had had a little bit of a drought for a few years, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, he brings in Ronnie Spector and uh, just yeah. 
I mean, commercially, I'm talking here, hits it out of the park, you know. Um, yeah, with, they like take me home tonight. They rented Huge. a boxing gym or something. Remember yeah, that, the video? Right. <laughs> yeah, it cost them yeah. like ten bucks to make that video. Ronnie's all silhouette too, you know. It's like, yeah. Um, and I just remember seeing that video so over and much. over and over. Yes, yeah. God. But for the money man, it was a good move, you know. Um, he had had a couple big records in the 70s and then one in the early 80s. He, I would guess he probably had about five years of sort of being on the decline and then coming back with that. Um, also, Cheap Trick as well. I don't know if you guys remember The Flame, right? <laughs> um, so, so, you know, not uh, critically, you know, not their best song. I don't think they ever... They, I, I don't know. I, I've seen them live a couple times. And they haven't played it. Thank God. <laughs> they recognize. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, Cheap Trick, obviously, you know, one of the biggest live albums in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Um, once, I would say, the early 80s hit, you know, they're, they're, they, you know, their star started to fade a little bit. Music, yeah. Musical trends changed, etc. Um, but then The Flame came out, you know, I think late 80s. And, uh, you know, they were back. You know, they were on MTV. They were. So it was good to see. Um Oreo. One other one, yeah. yeah. What's that? I was gonna say. I hopefully I didn't take yours. I I just thought of Ario Speedwagon. We could lump them into all this as well. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. Yeah, I think so. Because yeah. I mean, like they they basically their career had kind of came to a standstill in the early '80s, and then um, like Keep on Loving You and all that came out, and they just I don't know. And basically by that point, they had decided to become a power pop band. Right. To right. to try and be commercially viable still. Yeah. Yeah. And uh they're they're doing well on the nostalgia circuit now, that's for sure. Um and the last one, you know, it's a, obviously a choice near and dear to my heart. I think Kiss has had two comebacks. Um I think Kiss's first comeback was um to become you know, to chase Bon Jovi essentially and become a hair band. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um when Kiss took off their makeup they were at kind of one of the lowest points of their popularity. Um, Creatures of the Night, while I think is a kick-ass album, uh, bombed commercially. You know, they had Vinnie Vincent. You know, they had, you know, they didn't have the original lineup. They, t- um, you know, the the makeup was still on, but people, you know, the fans weren't really there. They were they were playing arenas that were like half empty. And then you know, all you got to do is break out, take off the makeup, and break out that Aquanet. Put different kind of makeup on. You know, start putting, start putting blush and eyeliner. Yeah, Yeah. foundation. Right, foundation. Yeah. Um, You know, get the hairspray out, and uh, lo and behold, you know, Kiss, Kiss came back. You know, like around Crazy Nights. You know, eighty six, eighty seven is when they, you know, started to um, become uh, a hair band. and the music sucked, but commercially it got them back in the game. And then, ah, look it up. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, the star started to fade again um, in the late 80s, or well, it early 90s. Uh, Kiss even put out just a god-awful attempt at a, at a grunge record. The Psycho Circus? Uh, Is that oh, yeah. Uh, no, not Psycho Circus, the one before. Uh, Carnival of Souls. Mm. It was. It, it didn't come out at the time. It was released later, I think. Um, and it's it's just awful. Um, <laughs> so they chased that, but then, you know, they got to put back the makeup on. You know, call Ace and Peter, who I'm sure were completely available um, <laughs> at that time. And, uh, and you know, put uh, put the makeup on, and and, you know, Kiss made, you know, it's probably one of the biggest comeback tours of all time in 96 when they put back on yeah. the makeup. Uh, I was fortunate enough to go to one of those and I got to see Allison Chains with Lane right. Staley open yeah. up. So that was pretty special to me. Um, and I would say that since then, you know, and Kiss became a nostalgia act basically once they put back on the makeup. Um, you know they're still they're still playing arenas. You know they're still doing what they do. So um, so the second comeback, while they're not you know selling out Madison Square Garden, you know they're still playing the big summer shows. You know they're still still doing big tours. So it's a comeback that you know at least uh, at least on the touring circuit has lasted. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so yeah, so that's 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 mine there. So um, nice. there you go. Good, uh, good stuff all around for comebacks and reimaginations. Um, during the last portion of the show here, 
Um, what we're going to do is we're going to each share an album that we've been we've been grooving on lately um, and recommend it to uh, our audience members. So, Levi, I'll start with you, um, which this obviously everybody, this can be a new record or an old record. Yeah, um, I, just uh, one that you've, you you want more people to listen to because you think <laughs> it deserves its due. In just a side note, in the into uh, show news here, there is a rumor that Kiss is one of the bands in talks with the Illinois State Fair for next year. Uh-huh. Ooh, I'll, I'll be there. And this is yeah. a legit rumor because you have ties to the <laughs> Illinois State Fair, so I'm going to take that That's seriously. Right. I've also that would heard... go over well, man. I mean, they sold out the uh, the convention center show a couple of years. The ago. the other two that I guess are almost definite as well, and the one's not exciting. The one is Rascal Flats. It's like, yeah, whatever. Yes, finally. <laughs> That'll help the other pay for one, the state um, fair. Is Sammy Hagar? Oh yeah. And right now his band consists of Michael Anthony and Jason Bonham. Oh yeah. So that got that some, that could be an got okay some, got show. Got some clout in the water. Yeah, that could be a, huh? a, a yeah. classic rock good show. You know, um, I, my feelings on Sammy. You know, it's another lead singer transition. You know. Um, yeah. yeah. To, to, with Hagar, um, that commercially was really successful. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, hugely. I, I love I like Sammy as a dude I'd like to party with. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he seems, you know, he's he's kind of fat. He seems happy. He's got his tequila. He's always, you know, eating fish tacos and stuff. You he's know? like a and, jolly Mexican Santa. Yeah, he's always he's, yeah. like he likes. He's a San Francisco guy, so he's always like showing up at Bob Weir shows and stuff. So I like what Sammy's about. I just hate what he did to Van Halen. Yeah, exactly. As far as I as love far as a dude goes, though, I love, yeah. He seems like a good dude. Yeah. He seems like a really good dude. Anyway, go ahead, Levi. Well, I'm sorry. I picked up the other day. Um, I've been getting a little bit more into 45s. And so I picked up this song called Couldn't Get It Right, which was a hit, a smaller hit. For this band, they're called the Climax Blues Band. Oh. And uh, I recommend everybody. It's got a great 70s... Uh, just like a '70s funk kind of vibe. If you're into average white band at all, you would kind of dig. You would dig Climax Blues mm-hmm. Band, or at least this song. So uh, yeah, couldn't get it right. Climax Blues Band. Climax Blues Band. All right. Yeah, all right. check yeah. it out. And by the way, all of these I'm going to put on the uh, the website, so you don't have to screw okay. them down. You can reference the website. Um, cool. Yeah. Right on. Uh, is that is that it, Levi? I have another 45 I picked sure. up that day as well. Um, it's on a really cool old Buddha Records nice. label, nice. and it's on their subsidiary, which was Kama Sutra, and it's a song called "The Rapper" by a band called the Jaggers. Oh yeah, J A G G E R Z, and it was kind of like uh, they weren't necessarily a one hit wonder, but this was their biggest hit, and um, early seventies, right? Yeah, 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 and it believe it or not, it's Donny Iris. It's it's Dottie Iris' yeah. first band is the hmm. Jaggers. They're out of Ohio, I think. Yeah, They're and Ohio so it, it's a great song. It's oh, so yeah. there's a couple couple seventies forty fives for you guys. Right on, right on. I um I stumbled upon a band on RDO uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, The Heads, um, who's uh, this album was remastered. Uh, it's from 2000. Everybody knows we got nowhere is the name of the album, which maybe it's a play on everybody knows this is nowhere, but uh, everybody knows we got nowhere. The heads is very uh, uh, kind of stoner psych rock, uh, Stooges, Fu Manchu uh, to kind of give you a couple different decades worth there. I highly recommend it. Um, uh, again, uh, the heads with everybody knows we got nowhere. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I, I I saw that um, on your uh, your RDO feed, and I'm I'm definitely it's in my queue, so I'm going to to check that out. This is, you know my it. my my recommendation is kind of um, psychedelic is the word that comes to mind as well. Um, there's a band that's uh, I don't believe they're together anymore. They're out of Boston. They're 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 called Abu Nai, um, and uh, psychedelic band out of Boston, kind of got a um, you know the influence that comes to mind to me is the zombies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it's got like a little bit of a Yardbirds feel to mm-hmm. it, maybe a little bit of the Amboy Dukes. You know, the journey to the center of the earth, um, and maybe early Pink Floyd as well. Um, and then some of the songs are kind of folkier too. 
Um, they've got three LPs, and I, I, I stumbled across them on RDO, and I don't remember how. You know, it's just for those of you who aren't on RDO, like one link kind of needs leads to another. It's related like artists, it's a wonderful yeah, rabbit it's, hole it's, to it's fall like Wikipedia, into. The related artist link, and you just click on it. <laughs> Next thing you know, you might discover one of your new favorite bands. Yep, but I, I, I really dig these guys. Um, I guess they've played a couple reunion shows in Boston over the years, but I think. They've retired. They're all of their LPs came out in the late nineties. It's like they've got three, you know, kind of like ninety five to ninety nine, something like that. Um, but they haven't been a full time band in, in a number of years. Um, so yeah, the, the album out. that I like a lot is called The Mystic River Sound, and uh, it's really good. I highly recommend everybody checking it out. Um, and uh, yeah, Ab- Abu Nai, and uh, nice. well, that's with an exclamation point. So uh, Abu Nai. Yeah, so good stuff. All right. Uh, really, really good. So check them out. Yeah. Excellent. Well, you know, um, I want everybody to do a couple things. I'd like everybody to follow us on Twitter, right, and Instagram at Rock and Chew, okay? Um, and then also our new website, um, which is looking very spiffy, uh, is going to be up soon, and that's rockchew.com. So that's going to be up really soon. We're going to be unveiling that uh, in the coming days. And, uh, yeah, you know, posting videos there. You know, we're going to start blogging. Um, so and any good references stuff all we make uh, in the sh- during the show, we'll try to include on there. So you don't have to scribble them down frantically as you're listening. Absolutely. Lots <laughs> of baseball card stuff. Um, you know, just good stuff all around. Yep. Uh, you know, it's the baseball rock and roll fix that you're looking for. And uh, we're going to be covering it. So, oh, and by the way, if if uh, any any fan mail recommendations comments, um, we we have an official email you can you can send oh, nice. to. Uh, it's it's t bolin at at rockchew dot com. Nice. So, so uh, after Tommy Bolin, t bolin t b o l i n at rockchew dot com. That's that's that guy's a rock a rock and roll shinsu chew guitarist i like to imagine him in the corner of 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 our uh imaginary office like answering phones for us and taking yes. notes looking looking over us and and hopefully approving yeah. of uh, yeah. of our content so also you know a lot of people don't know who he is check out tommy boland oh, we'll, we'll be dis- oh, yeah. discussing him I mean, quite I, a bit in the coming coming me, episodes you know what i they should listen to or what they like i'm like well you know there's a guy he's not a, he hasn't been around in a long time um and he did, his career didn't last long but you should yep. definitely check out Tommy Bolin. You know, he's one of the most one of the most oh, yeah. dynamic guitarists of the seventies in my yep. opinion. So so yeah, and I know you guys agree. We'll be so. giving him his due uh, throughout oh, the year, I think. You know it. You know it. Uh, yeah. Love that guy. So anyway, um we will see everybody soon. Uh, again, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rock and Chew. The website's gonna be coming up soon. Like us on Facebook. Uh, we've got a new discussion group that's gonna be going up as well. So lots of good stuff on deck for rock and roll Shinjuchu. And you know what? Spring training is less than a month away, guys. Yeah. So looking forward. Enjoy it. All right. Everything's going to heat up. Take care. All right.